Okay. Uh, hey, everybody. This is Matt again, Wormhole Matt. Uh, this is the Wormhole Manifest podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, this will be the uh, second episode of season two. Um, once again, I want to uh, thank everyone who has been uh, listening so far and, and bearing with me with the slow release of episodes, but uh, it's it's coming along. Um, so thanks a lot. Uh, if you don't know the, I think pretty much everyone who has listened knows the, the premise of the show is there's a wormhole manifest, kind of like a, a passenger, uh, roster that everyone that I interview gets put on this manifest. And then we take a little journey through the wormhole and, uh, see where it takes us. So it's always something different and interesting and, uh, Today, I've got my friend Rian back from the uh, Reincarnation podcast, uh, also the uh, Reincarnation uh, Discord community, which I am a proud member of. Uh, <laughs> lots of great people in there, uh, lots of good discussions. Um, so my cat is going crazy, knocking stuff over because uh, she hears me talking, but uh Rian, your name's once again on the manifest, so welcome to the show. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me. It's great. Great to be back. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> so did, uh, let's see, the holidays just passed. Uh, how are your holidays? They're, Do you celebrate? <laughs> they were pretty, it's a weird, probably like the weirdest holiday just because of the whole COVID situation and everything. Normally I like, I go see my parents or, or whatever, but wasn't like in BC, we had a, a flood uh just before and uh an oh, ancient yeah. lake almost returned all of our highway infrastructure completely crumbled to the point that it was possible for actually vancouver vancouver's a coastal city um and like a port city and all this stuff and you can either go north towards like whistler some people may know about this ski hill kind of thing and then if you go east it's towards like okanagan the interior both highways ended up get, getting cut off both from like a lake that formed highways crumbling in the interior and other logging roads and stuff being destroyed uh north of me so it was it was it was quiet and then uh and then i got sick with potentially covid or something like after christmas so i got a bit like an extra week of holiday so it was good but it was weird <laughs> um oh wow yeah yeah man <laughs> so lots of stuff going on up there Absolutely. like i mean i remember seeing the pictures and stuff you were sharing and then i i looked up some stuff too on the news after you showed those pictures and i was like trying to see what the layout was because i don't know my geography very well for for up north <laughs> yeah but uh i was like wow there's a lot of you guys have a lot of stuff going on up there as far as like just geography in general there's like the, the part that's on the coast and then like mountains yeah. and all kinds of crazy stuff but yeah, yeah BC's a really, were, it's a it's a crazy diverse province like other parts like you go to ontario and it's it's the canadian shield so there's there's some hilly bits and and stuff like that um the prairies are just flat though if you go more north there is a bit more like more mountainous kind of areas but bc is it has some flatter area it has farmland kind of prairie it has coastal region it has mountains on the coast and in the interior down like the rocky corridor it's 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 unbelievably diverse uh and like a lot of like obviously canada is pretty big like i think bc though it has a smaller population than california or like canada has a smaller population than california um i think bc is like bigger than like all of the uk it's it, it's it's 
the <laughs> wow. province is so big. So it makes sense that it has such diversity. But when you do a road trip across it, it's like, oh, wow, this is a, <laughs> it's crazy watching all these forces of nature <laughs> kind of come together. Yeah, man. And, and you're like on the coast too. Is there like a lot? I mean, I know like in areas of like the Pacific Northwest, uh, as far as the United States, like there's like seafood is a big industry. Oh, yeah. Like, is that the same there too? Like, so Vancouver is- specifically, like, um, like Vancouver's a port city, but it is also, um, like Asia's port city. Like, we are, we are the, like, even, like LA is close from across the Pacific for like shipping and and, and airplanes yeah. and stuff from Asia. Vancouver is the closest place for for like Asian imports mm. and stuff, but also for flights. So it is it's kind of this hotbed for a lot of um, Asian immigration and stuff like that as well. Um, so we have an unbelievable like Japanese uh, like there's sushi everywhere and it's really really good. A lot of seafood. Oh, wow. I used to work like even in the dispensary that I used to work at. Um, like it's in this place called Granville Island, and it's um, it's like docks and stuff like that. And you can just go to the the local fishmonger and stuff like that. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. But then at the same time, like I'm in Vancouver, close to the coast, we have a ton of sushi. And then you go to another part of BC, like where my parents live in the Okanagan wine region, very like mountainous and rocky, rather than like the prairies and, and the coast and uh. they're they have some good sushi if they can get it there quicker but it's like they don't have access to fresh salt water right fishing. so it's really interesting even just from a few hour drive away like it, it it's not the same in terms of food and stuff that you might find up there so yeah it's it's cool yeah it's like really cool. <laughs> when i when i lived on the east coast uh in the u.s i lived in maryland uh for several years and the Seafood was pretty popular out there too, uh, mostly like crabs. Crab cakes were like a my favorite, but uh, not so much. I mean, if you could find like the Asian or or something like uh, you know type restaurants and chefs, they had the sushi and stuff. But like, I mean, I love sushi, but the sushi that I've had that I like, well, I've had both. I've had sushi in Japan mm. uh, when I've been to Japan, and that's like real sushi. And then I've had sushi here where I am and I'm like landlocked, you know, in the middle of the country in the Midwest, you know, not too far from Kansas City. And you don't really you can't get the fresh fish kind of thing, you know, like like you would never get sashimi there or something like that. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like anything like a, a saltwater, you know kind of fish it takes like days to import you know and just has to be frozen and you know it's it's not the same i've had fresh seafood directly out of the sea uh off the uh i I was actually when i was still in the air force i was in uh uh, diego garcia which is an atoll or an, an island that's in the middle of like where is that i think it's like the indian ocean or it's like it's the exact opposite side of the planet where I from where I am now. Um, but but a bunch of guys that I know went fishing that day and caught like these huge fish and they bring them back. And the people that are there, like they take this all this fresh fish and they immediately take it into the kitchen or wherever they like start fixing it up. And then that'll be like early, kind of like late morning. And then by dinner time, you're eating this fish that they just literally caught out in the ocean. And it is so fresh. 
that I had never in my life tasted fish this fresh because every fish that I've tasted was either like the generic store-bought frozen fish sticks that you throw in the oven or the kind of fresh fish that you catch in a lake or river in the Midwest that is going to taste very fishy. Yeah. Like fishy, stinky, like just you have to fry the shit out of it and add a bunch of seasonings to make it taste good. But this stuff that they cooked up, they cooked it up like 20 different ways. Yeah. And it was like barely seasoned, barely like, I mean, they I think they used a lot of salt, but that's just to kind of hold the the flavors in, you know, to seal it in and lock it in. But like, oh my God, it did not taste like fish to yeah. what I know is fish. Yeah. So it like, was like when I was younger, amazing. I remember like my parents would make me fish. Like I, I have a British background, like fish and chips and stuff like that. And those like just having fish like cooked fish i don't know there was this it tasted fishy i never liked it as a kid and i don't think i really got into like sushi until i I guess in high school when i when i remember like wanting to go after the cuisine of sushi or whatever yeah Um, yeah and and even even now like eating raw salmon or, or raw tuna like really good fresh raw tuna like it doesn't taste fishy to me um, yeah. if a fish tastes fishy, I like, I really like, that's the, yeah, that stinky taste that I don't want, but like raw tuna, there is this, if it's good, it's it has this like unbelievable, refreshing, um, like sea like quality. Of course it's fish, but it's not like fishy and stinky. Yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, it's really good. But even, even in a place like Vancouver, like we're on the coast, there's great stuff. I still, it's hard for me to go into a new sushi place. Like I still have to know, is this one actually good? Is there sashimi good? Is it actually worth me getting a roll like this? Or a th- so, so it's not like everything's amazing, but yeah, it's uh, right. it's 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 really it's nice to be with that kind of fresh. Yeah, I, I mean that's that's pretty cool. It makes me want to like I want to come visit. It's <laughs> a good place. Definitely. See. I haven't I haven't really been to Canada much, and I uh I, the only place in fact I have been was the uh I th- I think I might have even met- mentioned it before, but I've been to uh, Buffalo, New York and like Niagara Falls and uh, you can cross over there and mm-hmm. like visit the city there that is like I only walked like maybe like a block and a half into it and I was like walking around and I went into some kind of tower and then like the ended up, tower? there's like some kind of tower that you can go and has a little lookout oh, okay, deck yeah. on top it's kind of like a space needle thing but like a lot smaller I think but I don't know. It was it was only for like a couple hours. Yeah. So it's like a, not like I actually went to Canada. <laughs> I yeah. don't consider like a brief stopover. Like like I've been to Ireland, but I've only been in an airport in Shannon. Like I haven't gone, you know, so I can't really say I've been to Ireland, even though technically I did step foot on the continent. But yeah, you I didn't, didn't see get anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I bought a Guinness sweatshirt and that was about it <laughs> when I was there. But uh but yeah. So anyway, like uh, getting into this episode, uh, people that listen uh, know I try to kind of tailor the episodes around mental health and things like that. Uh, something, a topic that I've been really interested in uh, learning more and more about is the uh, harm reduction um, and and also addiction, because uh, anyone who's been on a healing journey like I have been after over the last couple of years and who's started to use um, uh, psychedelics 
and the forms of microdosing and 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 such like that and, and also like things like meditation and things in my journey to get myself better uh, from my mental health conditions, um, I'm realizing that there's a lot more, uh, There's it's an important subject matter um, that needs to get talked about um, because, oh, one thing I wanted to mention, and I wanted to bring this up to you, is like, uh, you recommended, I think, the movie Dosed to me uh, like a year or so ago, yeah. and that takes place like in, in like your city. Yeah. Yeah, in Vancouver. And I watched that and I was like, wow, I like I had no idea. Like I hadn't even heard of the drug fentanyl mm -hmm. before that. And then like watching that and then watching I watched another kind of uh, um, documentary on YouTube, I think, about fentanyl. And I learned a lot more about it. And now in the US, it's like everybody's talking about it. You turn on the news and they're like, we found, uh, you know, parents and teachers are finding fentanyl on kids in schools you know i think even like, like fentanyl at least in bc i'm not sure it's probably a case in many municipalities but fentanyl overdoses have killed more people than have COVID or have or have died from COVID. like there wow. there is a bigger overdose epidemic technically in a way than there is the pandemic simultaneously the pandemic yeah and and like anybody who knows about like, you know, who's watched the news about drugs in the past, you know, 20, 40 years, there's always something going on. And there was something, um, you know, people talking about opioids and like the opioid crisis and, and all this. And I didn't pay too much attention to it because I was I was military and like, you know, you're not allowed to, you know, you'll get kicked out and in trouble and all this stuff. You're not because allowed to question huge, the government. <laughs> Yeah, you're, you can't like do drugs when you're in the military because and I see their point to some degree, but the, you know, as I'm retired now and I'm learning things that that are helping me, like there's a huge difference between drug abuse and recreational use and uh, and addiction and, and all these things. And there's so many different substances out there that, you know pretty much everything you think of is a substance. Like, I yeah. mean, uh, when I was in the military and also when I worked for a big aircraft company that built airplanes, um, I drank tons of coffee. Like mm -hmm. I was, oh, yeah. I drank like three or four pots of coffee a night when I worked on night shift. Cause I was working, you know, late in the evening till early morning, the next morning. And that's the only way to get by is like, I'm just, constantly like overstimulated because i'm just like drinking tons of coffee and then going home and crashing you know and i felt horrible <laughs> but <laughs> when i was at work i was like yeah i can get by with this but now i'm looking back on those those times and i'm thinking you know if i would have been microdosing lsd and not drinking all that coffee i probably could have been more productive more safe and more mindful because of the things that i was doing and like not as I, I probably wouldn't have, because honestly, I made a lot of mistakes, yeah. you know, like, and when you're working in aviation, that's something you don't want to hear, <laughs> like that this guy made a bunch of mistakes, but I mean, it's, it's mistakes on the ground. So you're catching it, you know, but like you mess up first, then you realize it and then you fix it. But it's just kind of like, it takes time. It's like, you're like wasting time by going through this process. And it's because I was so strung out because I was so hopped up on coffee the whole time. That I was like, 
too busy talking to my friends and laughing and joking around and doing all this stuff. And like, I was like, you know, they're like, Hey, are you going to look at this stuff? Cause I was a quality assurance guy. And I'm like the last guy you want that is going to mess up because I have to check over other people's work, you know? <laughs> and it's like, so, so I'm thinking now and I'm like, man, if, if everybody was just doing something different, you know, if they weren't just getting strung out on coffee, because it may have been an addiction at the time for me hmm. and I may have been abusing it. Um, but that's like, how I thought was a normal thing, you but know? So I, I know in your case as well, like you, you are someone who has ADHD and caffeine is a stimulant and cat like stimulant is the medication or one of the medications that helps treat something like ADHD, for example, like, so, so yeah. like you, you are still in a way self-medicating. And I think it's really fascinating what you're saying because, uh, Terrence mechanic made this, uh, observation or this, this point, uh, quite a few times through, through his, speaking that that he did um that like the because drug there's a war there's not a war on drugs there's a war on certain drugs that that society deems is against almost like a societal mandate right and often it's productivity for the machine of the society so they give you the ability to have alcohol so that you can have a little bit of fun over the weekend so that you feel like you can go back to work after at least having a little bit of fun uh, there is cigarette breaks that are mandated in your break. They're not, they're like, they, they were in law enshrined originally as cigarette breaks, right. Or like coffee breaks. That's, that's the wording yeah. for them. It's not a break so that you can have, it's a break to go have a drug to make, come back ready to take on work and be productive again. Um, yeah. so often the, the other kinds of substances that are considered, um, that, that make you sit down and have to have to consider your life and these kind of things are the ones that the society has deemed as um, inappropriate, I guess, to to consider valid. And that's why they would have to take it away. But even with this modern um, resurgence of psychedelics and other kind of drugs and that kind of thing, we still have to be so careful of what the narrative is. Like, yes, psychedelics, microdosing, these kind of things can be unbelievable for mental health. They can be very transformative for an yeah. individual. But there is still a society that's in control of media and narratives associated with these kind of things. So yes, great yeah, mental true. health. But the main point of all of this right now with microdosing is microdosing so you can be a fucking productive member of our society. They will not um, legalize it for the mystical states, though there's some research on it. They are legalizing it so that they can uh, use MDMA for their soldiers to help their soldiers go back and help do more. They are legalizing it so that you can get over your trauma, so that you can go back into the system and work better. The trauma yeah. that we're experiencing as a species isn't just our individual traumas of life. It's the trauma of having to operate in the way that society has done that is so misaligned from our being, from what we are meant to be as humans, right. life on earth. We're not meant to drive cars and go to work for eight hours a day to make money right. to live on the planet that we were born to so even the malaise that we're treating with psychedelics is so that we can entrench ourselves more into almost like the depression that we're really experiencing as a society so and it's amazing for harm reduction and, and really helping transform people but i think it's really important to have that that caveat of like we cannot be pacified into just going back to work, feeling a little bit better because of it. It's how do we actually use this to make meaningful change 
through the transformations that we can find ourselves. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's, you know, because like the, the machine that we're all a part of is, you know, and especially like what the Warren drug started was, I think I, I forget who said it, but, um, the, the the United States military doesn't want to be full of a bunch of like free thinkers, you know, and people that don't want to go to war and shoot their enemy, yes. you know, like that's, that's not how it works. You know, yes. they, they, they want to have that control, you know, and there's that level of control that people wake up from and they realize I don't want this control over me. You know, I want to have my control of my own life, you yes. know, and do what I want to do. And if you think that way, then you're not going to be the first in line to go join the military and get shipped off to war. You know, like if everybody was a free thinker, then nobody would sign up for the military. Exactly. There's the only incentives that, I mean, for doing something like military, like for me, like it's it for me and a lot of younger people back when I joined, we only had a few options. It's like, you know, you're, you're poor, so you don't want to be poor, but you want to travel and see the world and you want to get a career, you know? Yeah. So like I made sure that I didn't go in open contract where I would just be a grunt on the ground getting shot at in another hostile war zone. Uh, my recruiter was like, if you, you know, I, he told me, or he asked me like, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I live in, I'm, I'm from St. Louis and, and that's where McDonnell Douglas was that built airplanes back in like, you know, the 60s, 70s and 80s. And then they switched to Boeing. Boeing bought them out. I was like, I would like to make air, you know, build, work on airplanes or something like that. It would be pretty cool. He's like, well, you can definitely get that career experience in the military working on airplanes. You know, if you join, that will get you a foot in the door because they hire people like that. And I was mm-hmm. like, so I went in with the intention of getting out after I learned a cool trade Tra- kind yeah. of thing, you know. I didn't want to just go in and just like, you know, be a cook, you know, <laughs> like right. cooking for hundreds and hundreds of other uh, Marines that, you know, are in the field or, you know, or I'm getting shot at or, you know, whatever. But so it, it's good if you do want to have some kind of career and don't want to pay for school for that because they also pay for college. Mm-hmm. That's one of those things they try to reel you in with is like they pay for school yeah you know they'll keep dangling the carrot in front of you right (laughs) yeah yeah like good luck having time to go to school when you're in a challenging career in the military like i worked in aviation and i was working night shifts you know like 14 hour days out on the ramp you know out on the flight line in the middle of the night and you're like last thing you want to do is go home and start trying to do homework or something or and I you think know, that's but, almost like one, like like what you're saying with like that's one of the most nefarious parts of the machine of society, right? Like it, it's even there, there's a book out there. I think it's called Bullshit Jobs or something like that. And and it really goes through the fact that um, the most paid jobs in the world at the the biggest firms that you can get, like up to ninety percent of your work hours is pretending that you actually have work to do. So you can continue to get paid and stuff, but you do your work in the first two and a half hours and then you pretend to work for this. And what that causes, and then, and then it's not like you finish your work and then you can get home, go home and get paid for the work that you did. That is all you need to do for the day. No, you have to sit in your chair. You have to, you have to fill seats. And it's like (laughs) that, that fundamentally, like you're saying, after you're done eight hours of pretending to care about your job, you can't go home and 
do a podcast. You can't go home and get out amazing piece of art. Like that comes from being able to sit with the mystery, with with the the, the things of what it is to be a human. But when you're forced to 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 go through the motions just because it's been deemed that that is what you have to do, your job maintains that you have to stay here for eight hours, even if you don't, even if everything's done. It yeah. it takes away the like the human spirit, right? And that's why I think burnout is so rampant because people go through these jobs where they work years where especially in places like the states i don't think it's as much in canada it's definitely not as much in europe in europe for example like you are paid for up to or four weeks of vacation or more and you're paid to go on the vacation people are lucky to get mm. two weeks of vacation in the states and they're not necessarily oh, yeah. paid for it. so like how many avenues in which this machine is not that it's completely set up on purpose to crush the human spirit but there are some there's something going on that has set it up to do so to prevent people from being able to almost vision out of uh the cycle that they're stuck in to because because yeah. if people were able to that would break the the system that they're in in a, in a really big yeah. way <laughs> yeah and i and it probably has to all come down to like money and profits for these big corporations and and all that stuff but you know like as far as like when I worked for Boeing and I worked those long hours at night, um, like I used to like bring my guitar to work, you know, I had an acoustic guitar and I would sit there for hours on end, like waiting for someone else to finish doing their job. So I'm like, what does it matter if I go into a little spot where nobody can see me, I'm not bothering anybody. And I just sit there and play my guitar for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And then I come back and check and see if anybody needs me for anything. And then I kind of go back and I'm like, you know, and I talk to other people and like pretty soon we had like three or four guys who were bringing their guitars to work. <laughs> and they're like, nobody said anything, but I could kind of see it in like our manager's eye that like, it's, it's everybody else has to sit around and, and, or, or be working, you know, either physically working, doing their job or, doing something productive like cleaning up the hangar deck or or you know random things that will make it look like we're using our time wisely but like my job wasn't to do those things like my job specifically required me to look at work that other people had already performed yeah. so i had to wait for them to get done if i tried to help them then it's like i'm a part of that work and I would have to have somebody else come behind me and check my work. Oh, you know? okay. Cause so it always has to be, yeah, the, the, a the higher second set of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> second set of eyes on, on the work being done to approve that it was, it was done right, you know, kind of thing and sign off on it. You have to have two, two signatures for every, every, basically every step along the way of the, of the job. Yeah. You know, like almost like double ledger accounting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I started bringing in my, my guitar and stuff, you know, and I was like, and that's those little attempts of trying to keep my spirit alive yeah. in this, like, you know, but I actually liked that job a lot because of the fact that I could get away with almost anything, you yeah. know, like I didn't really have to, I would spend a lot of time in our break room playing this little game on the computer called like contraption or something. <laughs> it was like, so like other people in my team would come in and be like, damn it, we knew you'd, we'd find you in here. Like, <laughs> what have you been doing? And I'm sitting there drinking coffee. They're like, come on, we need you. You got to go do this stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's all you got to say, you know? And so, <laughs> so 
so it was a great job in that aspect, but it, I, you know, it wasn't like the military where, you know, you couldn't do that stuff like that in the military. Like you had yeah. to be doing something all yeah, the time on or production. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, if you're sitting around, then there's something that could be cleaned or yeah. something that can be paperwork that can be cleaned up or, you know, fix our technical manuals or see. And the, you know. <laughs> it's so fascinating to me because like a lot of, and even a lot of families or whatever that come from a military background, they're, what is it? Uh, idle hands makes the devil work or something like that. The, the, the quote that essentially like, oh, yeah. if you have nothing to do, that is how Satan comes in. Um, yeah. And I, I, I find that fundamentally um what's the word like like terrifying like because it's demonizing teaching, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, especially because like they're teaching children this right like idle hands make the devil work so fall in line and do your chores do this fill your time with everything so that you never have to sit and question your momentum your motivations your your aspirations your hope fall into the pattern that society has set up for you do not break the yeah. mold of expectations. Do not think of what it is that you want to do. Just continue to do you know, it, it. It it really yeah. it's again Be like crushing the human spirit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we don't need no education. <laughs> and it's it's even interesting, like with what you're saying about uh, like going back to like the beginning of the war on drugs, right? Like uh, it, 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 it's again these drugs that society doesn't deem as aligned with their vision of uh invading vietnam or whatever it is and and like i actually have the quote pulled up so i'm going to just just read it because i know many people may not be familiar but at the time of the war on drugs um it was seen as this big political campaign because for the safety of people and lsd is bad and cannabis is harmful reefer madness and stuff um there's yeah. a quote from uh i think it's l richmond um who is one of uh like part of the political party of Nixon um, hmm. saying essentially that I'll, I'll just read the quote. So it says uh, yeah, the Nixon ahead. campaign in 1968 and the Nixon white house after that had two enemies, the anti-war left and black people. You understand what I'm saying? We knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black, but by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and the blacks with heroin and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know that we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. So it's fundamentally not about like the the the, the drug because they wouldn't be now perpetuating it even in today's society. It's about yeah. the the movements associated. So now the movement with some of these things in modern day is about again the productivity end. And it's it's they're gonna always steer the narrative towards this thing that holds it within the bounds of what they've deemed okay by society. <laughs> yeah, that that's great. Like that that aligns with something I was reading earlier about harm reduction. Anyway, like uh, uh, yeah, harm reduction is grounded in justice and human rights. <clears throat> um, it focuses on positive change and on working with people without judgment, coercion, uh, discrimination or requiring that they stop using drugs as a precondition of support. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like now with this resurgence, like you were saying, like the, you know, I think they've realized the people, the people, whoever they are, <laughs> the man <laughs> has yeah. realized they, that they can't, uh, they can't stop it. 
you know, like, so if there's ways to integrate it into society and still keep their control, then they'll take those avenues, I think. And, yeah. uh, and you know, we will thank them for doing so. That's part of the part of it, right? It's like, oh, same with like cannabis legalization, right? It's like, it was illegal until they said that it's okay. And now they're patting themselves on the back for making it legal and removing the original activists that were part of the legalization movement. It's like, we have to be the saviors, even though yeah. we were your, your, uh, your jailers before. Yeah. It's that whole martyr thing, you know, like it's just, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's, I think it's really cool too. Cause like, uh, even what you were saying about coffee and if, if you could take LSD instead for, <clears throat> and one of the things that we found, like, like a lot of people are using stuff like LSD microdosing to help treat some, some forms of ADHD or some of the symptoms, that kind of thing. And if you go back to some of the uh, original talks that were going around with LSD before the war on drug, drugs, before the Nixon and the Reagan campaigns and stuff. I think Albert Hoffman was working, um, or at least in in discussions with different scientists, different governmental agencies and stuff, that LSD with microdosing, like low, low doses, would have possibly become uh, ADHD medication even for children in microdosing. Instead, <laughs> Ritalin and like meth for babies uh, got um, yeah yeah and like and not even just yeah, oh it's Adderall, Adderall it's not like, they literally <laughs> also prescribed meth like deoxin which is also a medication for ADHD for some people isn't isn't kind of meth it's literally meth um, <laughs> so it's just really interesting to me the 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 way that uh, these things kind of fall and the narratives around them that we don't really. Yeah, it, it, it's it's just really yeah. fascinating the way that the game is played. <laughs> I know, man, and and it's crazy. Just like you know, because I came up, I, you know, I'm I was a kid in the in the eighties, and it was the whole like you know you you saw the stuff on TV where it's like don't do your, don't do drugs, you know, say no, just say no, and and all this propaganda and and stuff like that, and it got like uh like hammered into your mind that you know. They're they're saying this on TV and I like go in my basement and like two of my brothers are down there like smoking a joint, you know, and I'm like, you know, it just my little brain is like saying, okay, so if. You know, the TV saying don't do this, but my brothers are in the basement doing this, but then I I witness my brother's actions when they're like high and they're like being ridiculous and and stuff. So that like set a negative tone in my mind where it was like, man, this stuff just really makes you stupid. You know, I don't want to be stupid. I want to be smart. And I like went through most of my life thinking I'm just going to be smart as be as smart as I can. But then you like, but then there was other things that took place. I didn't like finish school. I like did all kinds of stuff that, you know, I still have like, I don't know, like holdups or, 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 or things in my mind that I'm still working through. Um, but I realized that it's, it's not about any of that. I I've like totally come around to this, this idea that like, you know, nothing, I, for example, I, I had a few tarot, uh, readings recently that said, uh, to the effect that I will realize that everything I've known throughout my life was false or a lie or, you know, 
and I will come to new realizations that will help me move forward with a new plan, a new idea, a new identity and all this stuff, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, man, this like totally, I was already thinking this stuff before I read that description, you know, like I'm like, I was already on that path because the past like year or so that I've been microdosing, like so many different ideas have come to mind where I'm like, yeah, everything you have to be careful, like what you read and like the media and like the things, the ideas that you've had that I've had as a kid. And that was, you know, taught to me, you know, like everything from like social justice yeah. and, and, and all these different things. And you, you hear about the stuff like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and, and it's a total like deconstruction, you know, like yes. it's a deconstruction of self and, and it's a, it's a new self-awareness that yes. I'm coming into. And I'm like, I don't have to, you know, it's a struggle because there is a, there is a balance. I have to tell myself, like, don't feel bad yeah. that I was like led astray all my life, yeah. you know, but be glad that I did find out when I did and not when I'm like 80 and on my exactly. deathbed, you know, it's, and like, it's I so, have time. It's so interesting <laughs> that it's like, that's one of those things that w- waking up to that or whatever that is falls at a different time for everyone, depending on their their, their conditions and stuff. And there's a, a quote that I've read a few times on my podcast, but I, it really falls into that. So if you don't mind, I, 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 yeah, I think you'll yeah. really enjoy this. So John Lilly, and this is kind of also related to harm reduction. Um, John Lilly, he was the guy who created uh, the float tanks like back in the 60s. He did mm. work with uh, human and dolphin like consciousness interaction, um, trying to oh, wow. get us to understand how uh, dolphins communicate or trying to get dolphins to speak English, all this weird weird <laughs> stuff um he did a lot of work with lsd in the float tank ketamine in the float tank a lot of really interesting uh concepts and kind of philosophy kind of came out of him but in uh 1969 he he was at esalen and he wrote a series of meta programs which are like um it's kind of like prose poetry that so it's so a meta he, he he his conception is that like the human is a bio so his all of his uh, mm. metaphors and everything is is kind of related to you'd really appreciate him actually because it's like coding language and he literally translates spiritual texts at certain points into um, like like coding understanding. Oh, so wow. so if that's more of your framework, it's it's algorithmic, which is <laughs> is what a lot of this stuff is anyway. So he wrote these series of meta programs and meta programs are um, it's like poetry that forces you to look at your own programming that you might not be aware of. Um, so this really relates to what you were saying about um, kind of the things that you expected or thought kind of have to be stripped away from you to be able to move on. Because in society, no matter what, when you're a kid, you don't have a prefrontal cortex, you're not able to think for yourself. So it's nefarious that our parents and society yeah. forces a kind of thought um, that that isn't necessarily appropriate that we do have to shed to really become who we're meant to be. So this one is around expectations and um, realizing the expectations that we don't kind of notice that we carry. So it's kind of verbose language, but I think you'll, you'll start to kind of pick it up pretty quick. Um, so inspection of expectations. I expect thee. I expect thee to do. I expect thee to be. What? Thou expectest thou expectest me to do, thou expectest me to be. What? I expect. I expect them to do. I expect them to be. 
What? I expect thou expectest. What? I expect they expect. What? I expect thou expectest they expect. What? When thou expectest, I expect thee to expect what they expect. I ask, why expect? I answer, because I expect to. I am here to live up to my expectations of Am I? But what are my expectations? They expect me to blank. Do they? Do they really care? Thou expectest me to blank. Dost thou? Dost thou really expect or care? Care for expectations? Expecting to persist in past patterns? Mine, thine, theirs? Expecting to search? Search for new patterns? New expectations? Expecting to strive? Strive for escape from old expectations? Expecting to escape old, old expectations? Of me? Of thee? Of them? I expect that my expectations are the expectations of others not mine. I imagine what thine expectations are, and I assume they are mine. I expect what I write of expectations. I expect that when I, when I write of expe- expecting is read, it will start expectations of me in thee and them. I search, I write, expecting further expecting. Why search? Why write? Why expect? Why thee? Why them? Why me? <laughs> wow, man. <laughs> One of my favorite passages of all time. I read yeah, it like 50 times after I first read it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so profound because it's just, it's, I think for me, it's the language that mm-hmm. when you read it or hear it, it's like, where does it go? But like when you, when you sit there and think about it, you're like, it's like, why the fuck have I done a single thing that I've done for in my life? Who have I done yeah. this for? Why am I doing it for them? What is the point? How do I stop? Yep. How do I allow who I am to come out in the way that I would like it to without allowing the 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 wandering eyes of others and their judgments to even cause a flicker of doubt in what my intention is? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's it's wow. <laughs> <laughs> Arm reduction. Yeah. <laughs> Arm reduction. <laughs> this might be a good place for a quick break because I really got to take, uh, okay, take yeah, a tinkle. Yeah, let's take a break <laughs> and, and uh, we'll come right back. Everybody uh, hang in there. We'll be right back. Okay, hey, we're back with the uh, second half of this episode of the Wormhole Manifest podcast. Um, me and Rian have been sitting here talking. Uh, the last segment, we covered a lot of ground, I think. Um, basically, like going from the introduction, talking about a bit about Canada and seafood and uh, bringing up harm reduction, uh, different substances, uh, or like the idea of harm reduction, the drug war on drugs, uh, like society some of my experience of working in in the whole idea of uh everything that i was brought up to believe um has come to this point in my life where i've uh realized that a lot of the things that i was taught when i was younger um 
weren't necessarily true because the uh, it was all just part of society's uh, conditioning. You know, like I, I was conditioned to be a certain way or um, whatever. But yeah, so we covered a lot of ground with different things like that. Uh, the the main thing we were talking about was harm reduction um, and something I wanted some some of my experience with things like addiction. Um, I wanted to kind of get into, well, first I want to say thanks for, for reading what you read the, that quote, like just before, uh, because that is a very, uh, uh, enlightening thing to think about as far as it, it's almost, it, you kind of need that as far as like harm reduction, yeah. it, 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 as far as harm reduction can apply. I think this is something I just thought of, like harm reduction can apply to a lot of things, not just drugs. You know, like oh, yeah. we can be, we can be mindful and we can practice mindfulness. Uh, we can do different things to, to be more mindful in our uh, atmosphere and our, in our situations in life and whatever our scenarios are, but we can, uh, we can do a lot of good for our lives by thinking yes. for ourselves, by thinking outside of the box, by thinking if I say or do this thing out in public or, or wherever, or on a podcast, like what kind of harm could I possibly be doing for others? You know? So harm reduction is like, it it seems like it can be like many different aspects, you know, like, but the thing I want to get more into is, is the use of substances because they've been demonized and there's a stigma and, and all this stuff around these things. Um, we were talking earlier about like, you know, the system said you can drink on the weekends to kind of get your little reset. But as long as you come back and you're, and you're productive, you know, like you get your time, but like, who's to say that you can't do other things. But then there's always that thing like, you know, well, if you do drugs, then you're going to become a drug addict, you know, like, and, and, and like I was saying, like I was addicted to like coffee because coffee is, is a drug, you know, it's, like caffeine and all these different substances are substances that we can become addicted to. And and, and addiction can go beyond substances as well. Like things that your mental state allows you to overindulge in or make a habit. Anxiety, right? Like the, the, the body hormones coursing through you that your body kind of becomes necessary for its operation in the anxious state yeah it, it, even though it's it's negative psychologically some of these things can be what is kind of continuing that 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 cycle of the body so it's a physical addiction towards a mental state that allows a particular hormonal output hmm. or like yeah. shopping the dopamine that may come when you get x the, the dopamine that you get when you have that mcdonald's cheeseburger yeah, that, like instant be. gratification. You're like addicted to like, you know, yeah. And it's those little dopamine spikes that you get and you're like, I want to feel good, you know? And that's the same thing anyone that's addicted to any substance may say at some point, like, I want to feel good. So I'm going to take this or take X, you know, like this is whatever this thing is, you know, like have sex or, you know, even probably some people are like, the only thing that makes me feel good is, is going out and like murdering a bunch of people, you know, like, so it's as psycho as that sounds, you know, it's, it's a very, you know, yeah. uh, I, broad subject or it's a broad 
category. And I think it's so important that you say that because it's like, like, yes, a, it's important to, to, to know that there are substances that can be important for harm reduction. Um, and, and we should definitely talk about that, but also like if, if you are someone who, who, who is anxious or has maybe it's substance abuse, or maybe like you said, a, a want to murder someone or whatever, it can be that doing something like getting involved in a, in a community activity where you feel engaged, supported by a network that maybe you haven't felt connected to in your life that prevents you from doing these, these harmful actions towards self or other community is harm reduction, right? Yeah. That's putting us in yeah, the feeling yeah. of, of being accepted. That's all we want is connection. Connection is the, this deepest kind of, of harm reduction really that, that, that we can find. Yeah. Like, like I said earlier in, in the first half, I was saying like, uh, like harm reduction is grounded in justice and human rights, but it focuses on positive change and on working with people without judgment coercion, discrimination, or requiring that they stop using drugs or stop doing what they're doing. But also uh, it's, they don't have to do those things as a precondition of support. It's, it's mainly, it encompasses, uh, like a whole range of things like like health and social services and practices. Um, you know, and it is that community that can help, you know, people say, "I, I want to, do this because that's what makes me feel good. And then the community can be like, but you know, that's wrong, right? Yeah. Like you don't really want to do that. You just want to feel good as the outcome. So you want that dopamine spike. You want that something. So if you work with people and, and, and there's something else, like some of the words associated with, with addiction um, are like dependency or dependence, craving, habit, uh, weakness, compulsion, uh, there's all kinds of stuff. And I think a lot of those come into play when, when you think about it, like, and, and from my personal experience in my addictions, I was in chronic pain from, and you can relate, we've talked about this before about the back pain and stuff, um, had a herniated disc, mm-hmm. uh, in my lower back and it was causing the massive, oh my God, like it, whenever I think about it, it like triggers me because it's like such a uh, you don't want to feel that kind of pain, that kind of shooting pain down your leg, that sciatica, yeah. and it just makes you immobile. You can't do anything, and there's nothing really you can do at the time to get rid of that pain. And so when you're living with a chronic pain, you want to do almost anything to get out of that state of mind where you're feeling that. So I was drinking a lot while also taking like prescription painkillers, and I took them so often that that was my it didn't even help the pain like it just helped my mind kind of feel numb where yeah. i kind of didn't think about it as much you know like and and it affected everything i did you know like the pain affected me i wasn't as mobile and i couldn't do as many things at like my job and stuff but like the more and more further down the the, the hole i got with taking the medications, the less I was able to do and the less yeah. productive I was able to be, you know, yeah. which obviously like we were talking about like productivity and being a part of the machine and stuff earlier. Like if you're not able to keep up and do things, then you're basically a cripple to your coworkers and your bosses at work. Like they look at you so different, even though it's kind of like with mental illness, like mental illness, uh, you wouldn't walk up to a person in a wheelchair and tell them to just get up and and shake it off. Yeah, you know, 
But people with mental illness, if you're in a workplace and you're having like an anxiety attack or you like ex- bust out yeah, you crying or something, yeah, they're like, will you just, you know, get over it and like get your work done or get back to it, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, you know, like, and, and you just can't do that. Like at times, depending on your mental state, like your mind and your brain operates your body and makes things happen. Yeah, exactly. So like if yeah. someone's brain is not functioning right, like how can you expect them to just keep going and doing? And that's, exactly. it's just ridiculous. And this is what know? I find so, so fascinating and relates again to that, that quote that I said just before the break. It's like a lot of people like, yes, there's the chronic, the, the chronic pain, which can easily bring people into substance abuse or something like that. But also like, again, like kind of going, having to live in the machine of expectations and knowing that you are not that, that you have to fulfill the role in order to, for some reason, fill the algorithmic needs to have a house and, and a paying job so that you can fucking live on the planet. That in itself is a huge part of besides trauma and stuff like this is a big reason that why people feel that they have to go with these cyclical patterns of drinking or harm or whatever, because they feel that they are, they cannot resonate with that state. They are fundamentally in like physiological and psychological dread to fulfill the expectations yeah. of society. And then, like you said, a lot of the time, like with harm reduction, you don't have to expect that they stop using the thing you provide a place in which they can be them. Because in a lot of these other methods, even AA, and that's why AA doesn't seem to be that ideal for the majority of people, is you are given another layer of expectation that now to get better, you have to stop this. And now you're going to be shamed. Like like there's the whole shame of using it already. And then to add in, you like you kind of have to feel shamed until you can stop this thing. That you are mm. fundamentally bad or addicted until you can get out of it, I think can easily reinforce shame cycles and the need to perpetuate substance abuse a lot of the time because mm. you've shifted from trying to conform to society's expectations that have caused you to to do the substance abuse thing or whatever the, the action is that you might do, only to yeah. then be forced into another kind of expectation, another mode of feeling. People just mm-hmm. need to feel connected, whole, and complete so that they can kind of come out of these, these cycles. There's um, there's an amazing uh, – when I was in university, I, did, I took a dialogue program. I got to do uh, – uh, we got to go to a place called Phoenix Society in Surrey, BC. And it is a, a, like a, a treatment program, recovery. Um, there's a few different almost like campuses. Um, and one is like addiction rehab kind of thing. Um, and then there, there's another kind of one. And then there's another one where it's, you can start to own your own home in the top floor. You can do these cool programs. There's adult education, there's learning programs, there's community garden, all these things. Oh, wow. And, and the rate of people who have success in getting back into housing, maintaining jobs, never relapsing into drugs is unbelievably high. And similar, if not better than the outcomes of a lot of the psychedelic medicines, because it's not, oh, I treated the problem in my mind, now go back to work. It is, I am being mm. enmeshed in a community of support that helps me get back into being physical, playing sports and that kind of thing for the body expression, getting into community and gardening and, and 
interesting, innovative activities to help with the, the mind side to keep you engaged rather than the malaise of minutia or whatever it is that many people are, are stuck mm. in the cycle of and feel so trapped. In. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. That's like, like when I was saying about the harm reduction earlier, uh, where it encompasses, this is something I read, it, it encompasses a range of health and social services and practices that apply to illicit and illicit drugs. Uh, these include, but are not limited to, drug consumption rooms, mm -hmm. needle and syringe programs, non-abstinence-based housing and employment initiatives, drug checking, overdose prevention and reversal, uh, psychosocial support, and the provision of information on safer drug use. Mm -hmm. um, Approaches such as these are cost-effective, uh, evidence-based, and have a positive impact on individual and community health. Like, see, and it goes along with what you were just saying. Those places that that you know bring people into a part of community, so you can be yourself, and yeah. like you can, you know, start to f maybe find yourself, find who you really are, because maybe you didn't know who you were to begin with. Because they cater to you caused as as a person instead of yeah the expected role that you should. Bill. And I think yeah. this is even something I was talking to. I was talking to a friend of mine who, who's been going through a, a, like her whole life, a lot of complex, traumatic stuff. Doesn't matter. Um, but I, I was saying one thing that I feel unbelievably lucky about in my life is like my back injury, my journey and going through alcohol, like drinking a lot of alcohol and coming out of that happened really early. Like I, I had my back injury when I was 20 or something like that. Um, but, but what it allowed is then like afterwards I, I started working at a, a diaper factory, but I was able to like listen to podcasts and, and, and all of Terrence McKenna's lectures, all of Ram Dass's stuff, all of Alan Watts, like start to really get into this kind of stuff, but every single job and going to university, every job that I've ever had, I, I haven't had to be this professional role and hide part of me just to fulfill the me as a marketer, me as a retail person. Like I, I work at diaper factory so I can listen to stuff. Yeah. And then I work in the cannabis industry where I can talk about harm reduction and cannabis helping me in my journey and how it helped me through the pain and learn how to walk again, get into spirituality. I get to talk about psychedelics because that is an okay place in order to do so. And my relationship with them. With my family, I've been able to talk about these kind of things and I've been very forceful in doing so because I need them to understand where I'm coming from and not that. Then I go to other dispensaries. I've worked in a float spa where again, I get to talk about psychedelics. John Lilly, who I mentioned, who was, who created that quote, that, that quote that I read, did a lot. I get to talk about more psychedelics. And now I work in an indigenous economics place where they didn't hire me for like, I have experience and stuff that's useful, but they hired me for, for, for me. And I'm able to still bring that same set of who I've been everywhere without having to shy away from who I am, even into mm. this professional role. And I think for a lot of people where they've had to, again, fill in those expectations, be somebody that they yeah, aren't, yeah. Um, it's become so much harder to let go of that and 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 traumatic or, or just yeah, rough ride. Absolutely. And I had to go through yeah. it early, but but to be 28, almost 29 and have eight years plus or whatever of me being able to just be me in nearly every single avenue that I've been gifted in my life. That I think is fundamentally the thing that has allowed me to, to, to feel okay. <laughs> it's not 
doing the substances yeah. and and whatever that I've done. It's it's me more and more being able to allow out for expression of who I felt. Right. Mm. Yeah, and that man, and and you're pretty lucky to have been. I mean, to be where you are now, but like, it's you know, like. I'm kind of the opposite. Like, I mean, that's like awesome for you. Like, and, 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 and it's, and, and, and knowing you and knowing how you talk and how you present yourself and, and, and everything is like, it, it's eye opening to someone like me who has been the opposite, who has had to, uh, wear a mask, you know, throughout every position I've had and every opportunity, every, every career, growth or or whatever i've had to play a part you know like i'm a i'm i'm like i could win like an academy award you know for the the <laughs> acting i've done you know like because i that was not me that was doing those things it was the part i was playing you know even even in other things like like my past uh my my past relationship you know that i got a divorce from like there was a lot of parts of that where i wasn't being myself yeah. i i wasn't allowed to be myself you know i had to uh be a part of like that expectation you know mm -hmm. i was i knew what the expectation was so if i played that part then i would be okay and be allowed to you know have my freedom or whatever you know or more whatever benefits come from it but like you know, it, it, yeah, it's crazy because it's it's very eye opening to look at my life now and the changes I'm making in the past couple of years, and 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 everything I've been through up to that point. That I'm like, yeah, I gotta like start a podcast. I gotta be creative. I gotta like tell people that you know. I gotta have people like you on here to to share that quote that you just read. You know, like because. <laughs> this is the stuff that's important. You know, we're, we're not just mindless automatons that are going through life, uh, you know, fulfilling a part or an expectation of whatever, you know, like there's more to it than that. Yes. There's, there's, there's so much, there's so yeah. much more out there and, and every single person should be accepted. Yes. And, and, you know, there's this beautiful yeah. <laughs> Ram Dass quote that I think goes perfectly with what you said. And it's, uh, we're all just walking each other home. That's all we're here to do, <laughs> right? Yeah. I, your, your boss isn't there to, to make you be in trouble for filling an order wrong or, or breaking a dish if you're a dishwasher, right? Like we are, we are here to help each other get home in the, in the best possible resonance in the best way that we can. And that isn't yeah. to force people into the box of expectation, right? It's to allow them to be them without judgment and find that mutual connection in that space in which you both can do that. Um, like it, 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 whatever, like it's kind of stupid to say, but like the, like <laughs> namaste is like, I bow to your soul from the place, from the place that I am in where I am. My soul is the same as your soul and me almost or something like that is, is what like that, that, hmm. that is what we're trying to do. And I think the more that we fall into the roles uh, and stuff that we, that we think that we have, we start to reinforce the the programming of society into others and make them come to our expectations, right? Like it's, 
Yeah. It, it's it's hard at times to break out, but even so, like the word person, right? Like person comes from the Greek word persona, right? And oh, persona yeah. comes from, uh, I think it comes from like old Greek theater. You know, like uh, when you think of theater, it's like the happy and the sad masks, right? The, the, right. the theatrical yeah. mask of, and kind of thing. Um, yeah. The happy and sad face. That is where the word uh, persona yeah. comes from. It's like the masks that actors would use to portray a face to audience, right? So like yep. person, who you think you are at all times is a mask. In the, in the cores, like in what Buddhism talks about, there is no essential self. There is only you in relation to another and the mask that you wear in order to fulfill, to become a person in relation to another. Right. Like, mm. at, and, and it's even important thinking of like, like even with psychedelics and stuff and how they can help you in the healing process and having a sitter to help you go into these spaces. Um, someone, Kalindi Ai, this interesting figure who, who died at the beginning of COVID, um, he would do 40 plus dried grams of psilocybin. He's in a lot of, was in a lot of like, uh, shamanic lineages, um, martial art background, deep African spiritual and plant medicine lineages. And he talks about how truly what we're doing, like, yes, psychedelics can help in the, in the beginning. That's, that's kind of their use, but there's an exploration and further states out there. But to really go out there, it is the journey from the alone to the alone. If you really want to go out there to have another person in the room with you while you're tripping or whatever, you still have a mask of relation to another who I am in reference to them. If you yeah. start screaming, you're going to go, Oh, there's someone there. And now I have to keep it in or something like that to truly yeah. allow yourself out. You have to die to yourself and who you are to others truly go into that place alone. Um, and that's what it is to die, right? Like at the end, we yeah. go to that place ourselves. So truly who we are, with it, right? Exactly. Yeah. So we're always at least in when we're here embodied, it's always a face, a mask that we're putting up towards another. But the more that we can align that to the to that core expression that you feel is the thing that you need to be getting out in this life i think like you said in in the last year year and a half like the transformation that you've been able to 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 go through personally is beyond any amount that you could have while being forced into hiding almost yeah yeah absolutely and 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 that whole thing about like that that dying and like, you know, being alone, like it, it reminds me of the matrix yeah. actually. Like when, when, when Neo first goes into the matrix with Morpheus and he is like, you know, he's like, do you think that's what you look, you know, he, he's like, what you look like is what you think you look like yeah. in here. Like you don't really like, and then when they're fighting, he's like, is that, do you think is that air that you're breathing? Do you think that's air that you're breathing? Because you're you're not like you're in a program, like you're yeah. in that other, and, and you're and when you're when you're in when you're taking uh, psychedelics or in a in a tripping state, mm -hmm. um, in that deep place. Like I've told you before, like I kind of um, me and my wife have done it together sometimes, but mm -hmm. like it's. Uh, that whole aspect of being able to um what is it like 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 what you just said like as far as like you you kind of have to like you can't just be completely 
Like you can't die alone. Yeah. Like kind of thing. Like you, you want to be yourself, your true self. That's not putting the mask on that any other person, like you said, that was the quote um, or whatever, like, and when you're going, that's why I'm like kind of wondering about like uh, going kind of switching gears here. Mm -hmm. The, you've talked about uh, some of the, like the Vipassana, like uh, the, re the retreats yeah. and things like that. Like where you go in like a meditation uh, or like you're, you're on a retreat for like 10 days yeah. and like you, uh, you know, there's no phones or computers. No or reading, no writing, no talking. Um, Wow. That can't have electronics. <laughs> the only time that you can talk is if you have to clarify some stuff about the meditation method at lunchtime with a teacher or like oh, wow. the, the manager when, uh, like if there's no orange juice left, you got to let them know or something. So it's, it's totally <laughs> silent. And even in terms of me too, if you were there, we don't make eye contact. We're not supposed to do kind of like body language. If you held a door open for me, I don't say thank you. It's just like you, you are there completely by yourself in terms of like not allowing that like interrelation to happen and men and women are segregated to not allow even that uh, potential of like, like a sexual energy or whatever <laughs> to, to even be as yeah. palpable. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Great. Interesting places. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I've thought, I've thought that was interesting because I've kind of like applied that to times where I've like tripped alone. I was kind of like, okay, I'm by myself. I want to, you know, shed whatever mm -hmm. the illusion was of this persona, you know, and it was funny, like when you said persona earlier, when we were talking about the Greek and the masks and stuff, you know, like, uh, like it, whenever I hear the word, I think of the video, video game, game yeah. series, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like persona, I'm like, but of course that is kind of like, kind of goes along with it too, because they have these other personas that they play like, or that they bring up this other thing i'm not going to get into that because it's not a video game episode <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it, it, there's so many things that relate to like what we're talking about like that are like mainstream that people don't even realize they read stuff every single day in magazines or articles online or, or on social media and a lot of the words they read apply to so many different things that are like ancient teachings or like come derived from yeah. some ancient Greek words or Latin or, you know, whatever, which have other meanings, yeah. you know? So it's like, well, it's like cliches, right? Uh, yeah. When you say something enough, it just become takes it for granted. But, but what cliches are pointing to are like very fundamental, deep revelatory truths that just sound fucking cheesy, right? Like love <laughs> yeah. is all you need. Like, like all you need is love the Beatles, right? That I thought was a cheesy fucking song. And then I did DMT in silence alone and died to myself. And then I was given that song in the most beautiful audio clarity that I could ever fathom with beautiful visuals. And I understood exactly what they mean by all you need is love. It isn't some gimmicky fucking thing. It's talking about the love that is able to like, it sounds obviously wooey and cheesy, but like in my experience <laughs> in DMT, it's like this love isn't just the thought of, oh, I love my girlfriend, la 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 happy roses it's like there in tibetan buddhism even there's a concept so i in my experience i experience something that seems like it's from tibetan buddhism in tibetan buddhism there's bodhicitta um which is kind of like the, the ability for a person to develop compassion towards others and empathy you're developing your bodhicitta quality 
And then there's something called ultimate bodhicitta, which is the principle of that ability for bodhicitta to exist, but at large in the universe. And what it is, I, I've heard it explained as like a galactic central sun that exists in the center of the universe. But the center of the universe is, if the universe is this infinite thing, so center is everywhere. It's like in the hearts of us all is kind of the, the idea. So in my experience, I saw and felt and experienced the love matrix that holds together the universe. And it's saying to me, Beatles, all you need is love. But in the way that I could understand that it was in relation to the binding, the, the ability for the universe to go through time and hold itself together almost like these kind of like other kind obviously other kind of cliches like they're they're always going to be these cheesy things but they they are fundamental revelatory truths that we kind of have to take for granted because if we were to reflect on really what a lot of them are pointing to like they are like it's they're they're deep deep impactful concepts that we can't hold and it's not about hold it's about allowing it to like I don't know, weave in what we do or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Like the, that reminds, it, it reminds me of like when I was, uh, I think it was uh, almost a year ago. It was last March. Uh, wife and I went on a little trip and we were at this cabin mm -hmm. and we literally went on a little trip while we were there. And one of the revelations that I had, um, was listening to Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. Mm -hmm. And I swear, I've heard that song a billion times and I know all the words to it. But when I heard it that day was the first time that the words actually made sense to me. Like it just hits you in a way to where like it's like you read something let's say anything, mm -hmm. you know, like you read, you read a text message or, or, or anything and, and you translate it in your mind and you're like, okay, it means this, whatever this person is saying to me yes. or whatever this song lyric is or whatever, <laughs> like it, it means this, it translates to this. There's either like a literal definition for the words yeah. th that are spoken, but that was the first time the actual meaning of the song actually pierced through and i was like this song is isn't about like i just wish somebody was here because they're not here right now like you know i used to be like oh you know they missed this person and they wish that they were there right now it's not it's about the beginning of life to the end of life and throughout your entire existence like that whole existence is like, I wish you could see what I see, like, and feel what I feel and know what I know throughout my existence. Like it was, it was even beyond that. I can't even mm -hmm. say, like, I can't even describe the, the meaning that I got from it because it was so profound. Like and I was trans like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it was just, it, it felt like I was like, like that I had just never heard it before. I had never heard it before in that way. And I, and I hadn't, it was just like, yeah. And, and that, that kind of applies to almost everything we hear in life. Yes. Like, what do we make of it? What is our perception well, this, that, of what we hear or see or do or yes. think or, or feel? Like, you, you look like you're talking to someone just that you pass on the street during the day and they're, like, asking you what time it is. Like, those small interactions, like, everything, yes. everything out there has this crazy connection. Yes. Like, it has this different meaning 
<laughs> it's just, it's amazing. Because it's like we, in order to go through life, we have to generalize everything to be able to like walk from your house to your car, right? It has to be like a door. This is the floor I walk on. There is the tree yeah. that I walk past. Here is the thing that I, like you have to do this in order to orient. But but it's exactly what you're saying. Like when when you actually look outside at a tree, that isn't just a tree outside. That is an unbelievable miracle of a timeline of birth to death, uh, a, a tree's dance towards the sun in its own time, its own existence, its own total experience. Yeah. Same with the people that walk by. It's not, oh, there's a person. It's they've had an entire life with uh, expectations and difficulties and struggles and triumphs and all these things. And you don't matter fucking at all in relation to them and, and all these things. And it's like, it, it it's, there's this quote, um, and it's it's like what you're saying. It, it really relates. It's uh, there's this quote in the Bible. Uh, it, it's around the, around this idea of like, in in order to like to be with God, I die daily. Um, and it's this idea that at every day, at every second, if you can, die to who you thought you fucking were, because otherwise, that tree is that just that tree. No, it's not. Like it is a beautiful subsection of a of an instance of time of a of a of a moment in the existence of the, a universe. From yeah. like it, like oh, what? Like that's crazy to be even able to to see that pass through you or you pass by. Like that's crazy. Um, yeah, and and it's the same with songs or or reading spiritual texts where like that quote "I die daily" comes from is whenever you look at these things those songs that give you the transcendent meanings, Buddhist texts that are supposed to have layered meanings. It's not, oh, I figured out the meaning. It's that. It's every time that you look at it, it should stir something new in relation to who you are. A man cannot step in the same river twice for he is not the same man and it is not the same river, right? Like at all times, we are dealing with a totally new thing. Um, yeah. And when we can Constant present the, the child eyes of wonder to the universe that we're experiencing around us, that is is the state that we want to look for. Not we fit in the box of the expectations of society and everything is flat. And that's just a tree. And that's just a person <laughs> who walks down. It's going from the inanimate version of life into the wonder of life still going through the creation, right? Like we're in the middle of the yep. creation of the universe right now. That's insane. We're on the front. We're on the crest of the furthest that time has been. Everything is new every second. Like that is unbelievable. And you can do anything you want as long as you let go of the expectations of what others and society deems that you should follow through or something. Yeah. To just play your part and, you know, like be a part of the, the another cog in the machine exactly. that just uh you know makes other people money or whatever <laughs> yeah <laughs> harm reduction. oh man harm reduction because <laughs> it, it like it yeah, is all I, that right like when when you're able to to orient towards like life itself as harm reduction almost not life what you think it is of like going to work and stuff like that but like yeah. like the way that i've been trying to describe it to people sometimes is like like you aren't Matt, you are like the evolutionary force of the universe. The universe has never matted before. You are the first <laughs> matting that the universe has ever done, right? And so you are the evolutionary 
force of the universe wrapped in madness in the first flavor of this thing that's ever come out so that you can do this thing that's never been done before for you are the first of matting right <laughs> like it's like we are we are, and, and and when you just go into those box expectations you're not matting you are the role of that that you you, you fill out the job description you are not a yeah. job description you are an agent of fundamental evolutionary life expression at large in whatever the fuck this is and it's not just <laughs> me going to work so that i can live to pay my bills to go to sleep right like this is right we are we are dealing to with maybe something get a chance different. to party on a weekend because i am so stressed out yes that i want to like finally hang out with some friends and play cards and tell them how much yeah my boss sucks you know yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> like what, what we are dealing with is the fundamental mystery of what it is to to go through the universe and and being in those cycles of productivity so that you can just go and play cards and so that you can get a little bit of fun yeah stops you from even being able to contemplate that right like the amount of traffic city lights and stuff we can't see that we exist in the cosmos at night right like you can see a few stars in the city you're supposed yeah. to see the, the the Earth with without the lid on the fucking spaceship through the cosmos that, we're in. um, and I can imagine why so many people are in different kinds of rows with substance abuse and stuff when you can't see oh, the yeah. infinity that exists, you can't feel yeah. it. You are just here to work at the grocery store, <laughs> and, and maybe that's what it is too. Like people get so caught up in that little bubble that they're kind of stuck in. You know, like that, that little bubble in their universe that is going through the motions and they, they hate their life and they, they tweet about it every day and say, you know, all, they just complain about how much life sucks and, and they're on, they're depressed and they're on all these medications and, and whatever, and they don't see a way out, you know, like there's, they're in that bubble and it's, it's kind of like, um, it, it's almost like they're in their own little matrix, yeah. you know, like they're, they're, they're in their own little like, programmed, like they've uh, created almost the programming for themselves, right? Like the yeah, expectations like, they've allowed themselves to fall into all these things are you've accepted the the programming yeah. that you've given, given yourself to some degree, at least. <laughs> yeah. Or I've seen like, uh, recently I saw an episode, I don't know if you've seen the show, the Orville no, and I it's seen. like. And it's, it's a, like a, it's like a Star Trek parody, but like one episode, they find this gigantic, massive, like the biggest possible spaceship you can imagine that's been out in space floating adrift mm -hmm. for like 10,000 years or something, or like several thousand years. And it's just floating adrift. So they find a way on board and there's a whole civilization living inside this that has like a whole world and they have their own religion and and all this stuff but they're like oppressed and they don't know they don't know that they're on a ship mm -hmm. like so it's a whole civilization of people that like have like multiple little cities and towns and like a government and all this stuff but like they don't know that they're just floating through space because they're part of a civilization of people that escaped a dying planet and they were going to go in search of a new planet but, but now they're the people, just okay with. Well, the people the that were running the ship didn't really like. They all went through generations of people, and like 
the original people died. So they had no like yeah. way to know that they were even on a ship. The the, the latest generation had no idea yeah. like what was going on. So it it's I think that's kind of like what people get stuck in here in yes. this reality. Like people are here and they're like they just accept what they see on social media, they accept what they read online or what they see on the news or what they talk to their neighbor or their next or, you know, their coworkers or or whatever, but they don't like they don't ping out and say like what else is there? Yes. You know, like what What's beyond what I know? What, what is this? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I've always been kind of like in this weird thing. When I saw The Matrix the first time back in 99 when it came out, like it I was in the Marine Corps and I was in Yuma, Arizona and I went and saw it in a theater and this is the kind of person I am because even though I was wearing that mask and I was doing going through the motions, like I still had a artist mindset. Like I had this kind of like question about life question about existence you know like i i've always been like that like i and that's kind of like what i'm kind of going back to nowadays is i'm like going i, I kind of had an idea a long time ago but i kind of gave up and i just kind of started going through the motions but like now i'm looking back at that and i'm like what were those things that made me me back then that probably that person never would have joined the military or, you know, I probably would have been an activist or something back then and like would have been doing more to speak out and try to find truth and, and all these things, you know, but I, I kind of gave in and I went through the motions and I was like, I want a career. I want to be successful. I want to do all these things. Um, and, and not be like the rest of my family and be a failure and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, uh, when I saw the matrix, I was like, Oh my God, like that, it, it aligned so well with things I had already thought. I had thought that we were living in a simulation. Like when I was like 12, mm -hmm. you know, like, and, and I, I had dreams about waking up in a different reality, you know, like, and, and that things were very different. Like I thought that, that we were actually, when I was like 12, I think I had a series of dreams and this is kind of like going on a tangent here, but like I had a, and it's coming to me. And I remember having a series of dreams where for several days in a row, I had dreamed that I was in a far future with like flying cars and all kinds of crazy technology that I didn't understand. And it was like a series. And like, I was in a very weird frame of mind back then. And I was like, what does this mean? You know, like, and when I saw the matrix, finally, many, many years later, I was like, maybe we are in a simulation, you know, like maybe those dreams and experiences I've had, like, maybe like, maybe it's not like right now, it's not 2022, you know, maybe we're in like, you know, 2057 or 23 or 20, uh, or, or like, uh, I don't know. Maybe we're like, you know, hundreds of years in the future, but we're in a simulation, you know, kind of See, thing. Like I, I like, I like to think of it like, like similarly like simulation, but like, to me, it's like whatever is the technological um, metaphors of the age that, that you are in are the metaphors that you'd explain towards simulation or, or whatever. So right now we are in the, the, the computer age and that kind of thing. And it's, it's simulation and it's in, in this tech, oh, we're going to be able to 
generate the universe one day at the same graphical capacity to be able to generate the human experience. I kind of like to think of it in, in a slightly different way. Like if you look at um, Tibetan Buddhism, there's the idea that like when you die, you you go through the the post death bardo states, and you can um, hmm. you can disengage from the wheel of samsara of life and death, rebirth and suffering, or you end up going through the the mind like labyrinths from your karma. Um, that kind of chase you or you accept the peaceful and loving deities, blah, blah, blah. You end up back in some birth, like if it's a human or animal, whatever. And, and to me, it's kind of like, like those are, these are all levels of simulation. They talk about the Bardos almost there. They are transient mm. between states. Everything is ultimate transient between. So the post death Bardo, post death trans dreams are another Bardo state, another kind of, transient conscious simulation of um resonance and response and reaction or whatever but life too is another dream like bardo state it's another between it's another it's another kind of simulation mm, it's yeah. kind of like wh- whatever consciousness at large is whatever the, the the fundamental energy at the 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 deep the thing that binds together all atoms and energy in the universe into this cohesive whole. Like we know everything is 99.999% empty space. Like I think it's, you could shrink yeah. down either like the solar system or the universe. If you took away all the space and it would like be in some like the size of a sugar. Or something. So to me, it's kind of like, like we are, we are simulating a human experience, but we like, we are so much more than the, the human thing that we, that we feel like we are, um, and it, in my in my feeling or whatever, it, it it's it's almost like we go through this and hopefully like wake up to, to 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 be able to contemplate or whatever, so that we can work on being able to not react to the same expectations, the same patterns and stuff that we once did to to deal with our kar- karmic resonance. So that when we die, and it is the journey from the alone to the alone to the next layer of the simulation or whatever, that we don't go out afraid and terrified, clinging stuff, but that we have learned how to let the the resonance of or whatever the, the simulated energy of who we are out in a in a in a like I don't know calmer fashion, a different resonance for its mm. journey and frequency or some something like that. Like the resonance of like the probability waves of, of existence. Yeah. Like because like, I think it's kind of like, like if, if you die and it, this is what they talk about in, in Tibetan tune. Buddhism too, is it's like if, if, when you die, like you are your karmic waves or whatever, if, if you don't wake up out of the bliss, I'm sorry, it's kind of like the sum of the energy of who you are or whatever pushes you out into the life you end up as chased by like karmic past. And in their mm-hmm. conception, like when you are a human, I think specifically a human, but who knows if the universe is vast, probably other similar beings or something that do the similar, but it's you, you are embodied as a human or a, a similarly evolved life form with a straight spine who can meditate, whatever, so that you can <laughs> work on, so that you can get over your traumas that would force you to react angrily to maybe kill or whatever it is, right? You are working right. on not responding the way that you, your body has caused you to react. That's not you. That's what these meditation psychedelics and stuff can do help fix your response to stimulus so you can react as appropriately that you feel that you should in a situation 
So that a week later, you're like, oh, I can't believe I fucking acted like a fool then. It's like you can always respond in the way that you mean to. So when you die, you can actually go go out without the, I don't know, some fear chasing you or some something. Yeah, like having like this lingering like attachment to uh, a negative space that like, you know, yeah, follows you like forever. Like you, you're like more in tune with. Yeah. A, a more positive universe like, rather than like imagine if you um, yeah if you, if you die in clutching fear heart pot whatever like I, i'm afraid to go out and like maybe you get reborn as a as a fucking scared mouse be, uh, being preyed upon all the time yeah like, so scared all the time all you can do is go on your reflexes that you were kind of living on and that this life did hmm. let go um yeah. so like for all i know it could be some kind of computer simulation but even if it were a human made right. thing i think ultimately there are other kind of layers of that thing that i'm saying kind of that would <laughs> yeah. be even existing on top of layers of technological versions of the simulation cuz yeah. what is that existing yeah and and i wouldn't even like for me like the the simulation to me wouldn't even it would have to be almost a like a matrix type thing where the the machines have learned as much as they've learned to try to create as much of a simulation that we think that humans would think is real enough to get by but yet you see what happened in the movie like the the machines failed basically mm-hmm. and they couldn't provide a real enough version of what we think as humans as reality so they had to keep making different versions of it you know and it was just kept being rebuilt but like you know uh yeah it wouldn't be a human i don't think we could (laughs) go that far not yet i mean maybe (laughs) but uh i don't know a lot of this uh one of these days I, i read a book uh several years ago um called i don't know if you've heard or if you're um, if you've heard about it, like it's called biocentrism. Yeah, I actually have it on my bookshelf, but I haven't read it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, I found out about it cause I, I was really into the, uh, show through the wormhole with Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Um, and he, and one of the episodes had Dr. Robert Lanza on there and they talked about, uh, biocentrism. And this was, I think this was before I had all my back pain stuff, but I was having a lot of other issues. Uh, and obviously I was already an alcoholic and all this stuff, but it was something scientifically that I had gotten into and thought like, wow, this makes a lot of sense. So one of these days I'm going to come back around and I'm going to do an episode about that. I'm going to, I'm going to probably read the book again um, because I think it, it's something that resonated with me back then. And uh, it still does in a way. And it, it kind of goes along with what we just talked about. But like when you get a chance, I, I think you should read it, yeah, and then you, maybe we, I, I'll read it, and then and we'll talk about. <laughs> then it. Yeah. we can do, yeah, do like a, a you know in depth analysis. He did also of, write um, a, a second book, like Biocentrism Two or something. I I, have, I, yeah. I forget what it's called. I have that one too. Oh, cool! Yeah. <laughs> I need to check them both out. I do have to run, unfortunately, but mm. this has been a really I've really enjoyed this chat today. Man. Yeah, man, this is awesome. Um. Okay, so uh, let's see where, where, where we, um, All right, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, V Chatty who was on the last episode. Um, Rian, thanks a lot, man. Thanks yeah, for man. being on here. Thanks for talking to me. Uh, this is a, a great episode. 
I hope everybody out there enjoys it. We'll have to do some in the future. Um, but yeah, it's a good place to end here. Um, harm reduction is important. I think everybody should, uh, should look into that. If, if you're on sub substance or if you're addicted to something or, or whatever, we need to, uh, you know, address those things and, uh, it all needs to come out and, uh, there's, there's good ways to handle that. If you um, use drugs, get fentanyl testing strips, period. <laughs> yeah. Be safe. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot safe. of people dying, more people than COVID killed. In some areas, <laughs> dance safe. You can buy dance safe test yep. kits uh, and fentanyl test strips, etc. And like the region testings and all that stuff. Good, good point out. Yep. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, this is the Wormhole Manifest podcast. You can find me at at Wormfest Pod. Uh, where can people find you, Rian? Uh, my podcast is called Reincarnation, uh, but with my name Rian, so it's R I A N, not R I N Carnation. Right. Uh, so reincarnation is my podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Apple, etc. All those places. Um, and like I'm on Instagram at reincarnation two ends. I have a Discord two and stuff like that. So check check out my show if you like it. Yeah, reach out. I'll put the links in the uh, description of the show. Um, so everybody, thanks for listening. Rian, thanks again, man. Yeah, man. We will Good see chat. you again. Uh, everybody. Take it easy. We'll see you the next time. Take it easy, but take it. <laughs> <laughs> Later, man.